Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome back to season two, episode two of the podcast, There Are No Good Games. This is a podcast where we try and convince Bloodtick that there are good games out there, while he tries to convince myself and Redman to come to a light and realize that there are no good games out there in the world. Um, please note this podcast is all in good fun. And... Uh, Please note this podcast is all in good fun and not to be taken too seriously. Um, how are we all doing? Blood take, Redman? Yeah. Doing well, thanks. Yeah. Yeah. Good intro, uh, by the way. And that's our best intro uh, yet. Yeah, I thought I'd try and like make it a little bit different each week so that way I can make myself struggle even more as I yeah, try to do the intros. Yeah, dramatic pauses really, really aid in the kind of like mystery of what we're going to talk about today. I mean, exactly. I thought all the stuttering was scripted, so this is all news to me. I thought it was uh, part of your your charm, uh, Lost Hope. So uh... yeah, <laughs> great. Um, so this week's games is this week's games are Halo Two, Red Dead Redemption, and Little Big Planet. What do we think about the lineup for this week, chaps? I mean, I'm looking forward. I mean, I've, I think I've played all of them, so this is a. a, a two weeks in a row i've played every game so this is a record must be uh um i think last week we were a bit too nicey nicey with all the games so maybe we can dive in and uh well at least i was maybe so maybe i can dive in and make some more comments about them but um i'm looking forward to uh, talking about these ones definitely yeah no that's fair i was gonna say uh, diablo 3 got a three just to call it out oh yeah i forgot about diablo 3 that's how little i cared about talking about it last week perfectly balanced those things should be um so without further without any further ado let's kick off with halo 2 um that was halo 2 the trailer this was the master chief collection trailer as well just to call out uh thoughts on the trailer uh i think it was a good trailer i mean it showed off all the shiny newness of the uh, master chief collection showed off all the cutscenes. i mean admittedly there was zero gameplay in the trailer it was all in-game cutscenes by the looks of it which i think you even though it's a game like halo which is a remaster of a classic game that we all know i think you still need to show off gameplay in a game trailer because that's what we're paying for a video game so that's really the only negative i've got to say about the, the trailer yeah i think there's zero gameplay so it doesn't really help i mean it's a shooter i mean what does halo do differently nothing so i guess oh well hmm. i i thought the trailer <clears throat> wasn't that bad um it kind of just tells you what's going to happen and the story it does kind of cut to like the best highlight bits which is a little bit sad but apart from that it just kind of gives you an idea of what you can do this time which is kill more aliens and uh yeah that's kind of it so let's talk about gameplay halo 2 um <clears throat> i will kick us off um, I thought Halo 2 was actually really solid in terms of gameplay. Um, I love the fact you can actually dual wield weapons for the first time. Uh, DMR was like a really solid weapon. Uh, Storyline was really good, kind of worked in the fundamentals, carried on doing its basics and all that sort of stuff, and just made it like a really fun shooter, uh, which is always good. Added some elements, added some new creature types um, with the brutes and all that sort of stuff, and some new weaponry, which I think is always a bit needed with these sorts of games. Otherwise, the game does end up being quite stale. Uh, apart from that, it was just a really kind of fun game. I remember just sitting there playing this endlessly with a couple of friends one evening, and it was just a really fun co-op game to play. And then the multiplayer was also pretty solid as well. 
Mm. Mentioned the story there, which was too short and ended badly, but that's fine though. I guess it was generally Ooh. quite good. I was waiting for someone to mention that. Was the story bad? I didn't say the story I was think... bad. I said it was too short and ended badly. Uh, I'd, I'd have to agree with that. I loved the story of this one. I, I think the added of the like the Arbiter missions when you play as from the Covenant side was fantastic. Uh, you know, all the gameplay beats of the story were brilliant, but it is too short and the ending is absolutely terrible because you end basically halfway through a mission um, as if there was going to be like, as if it was going to reload into the next mission, then the credits roll. It was pretty bad. Yeah, but that's the whole marketing campaign around Halo 3, which has finished the fight, which I always thought was really cool. Yeah, but Halo, Halo 3, the mission isn't you in that same spaceship doing the same thing it starts after that you crash land after doing the cool thing that you were promised to do so there i get what you mean yeah it's good marketing but i'm playing a video game i don't i don't care about the marketing at that point yeah you've i've already bought the game you don't market the next one to me while i'm still playing it <laughs> yeah no, that's fair okay fair enough um on the side note what did happen to the arbiter because i remember he jumped in the spaceship with you and that was kind of it you never really saw him again uh, what in Halo Two? What happens to him? Yeah, because I swear in Halo Two you like jump in the ship together and then he just vanishes in Halo Three, right? Uh, no, he's there in Halo Three. He if you play as Halo, if you play co-op, he is uh... player two, and he's there at the opening of the of the mission. He's there with you and uh, Johnson and that. Uh, he's following you around. So because uh, obviously he leaves the Covenant, doesn't he? And they make their yeah. own group. Oh, okay, um, fair enough. I think loads of grunts and elites join join their group or whatever it is. Um, but uh, but yeah, in terms of gameplay, this is basically does the thing that I love what sequels do, where it's Halo One but more. There's more mm. more enemies. There's more weapons. There's more you know. There's dual wielding. It's Halo, but everything's extra, and they didn't do it. They didn't do it the wrong way. They thought, what do people love, and added more to each part of it more vehicle segments more more weapon types especially for the humans they added so many more guns for humans um like the dmr so you actually felt like you were doing stuff um they added a little bit of customized a little bit more customization for the multiplayer um it was just you could use the energy swords now like they just literally took everything they thought people liked and just added more stuff to it um which i think is brilliant yeah. Hmm. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, uh, the game itself. Um. Yeah. I mean, it's the same thing, really, isn't it? Like, yeah, got a new spin on it, a couple of new guns. Is it really any different? Does it do anything like game-changing? The answer is probably no. Um. It just was like a small evolution, I guess, but nothing special. It's not, it's not like a change between many other games in different series that we've even spoken about on this podcast. The other issue is obviously when they ported it to PC, they literally did absolutely nothing extra and the graphics were terrible because it was obviously still Xbox graphics um, and they didn't even release it on time. So in reality, you know, was this good when it came out on Xbox? Well, it probably was good for the Xbox because that was... Yeah, that Halo is a is a I guess, um, you know, it is the master chief of 
the entire Xbox uh, platform. But in terms of PC, uh, it didn't get as much love, and that's obviously a problem in my eyes. Mm. I mean, that's fair. I mean, I only know it from the Xbox side, uh, so I I can understand those grievances because I remember when when this came out on Xbox, it was the best looking game of the time. Like it looked so good. Um, so you know, and then in comparison to a PC. Even when it came out new, it probably wasn't as good looking as I thought it was back then. So uh, I can understand the uh, grievances there. Yeah, I'm also really happy that uh, obviously Halo 2 here uh, is one of the fantastic games that decided to do paid for map pack DLCs for multiplayer, further breaking apart their uh, community and what people can do. So I'm really happy that they uh, applied themselves in that way for this game. Obviously, very, very positive news. But didn't Halo 2 also like do like quite a lot for the online community and the multiplayer? Because isn't really. the Halo 2 multiplayer like huge? Or no, I mean, or yeah, it was fine for the mod. Obviously, you know, unfortunately, uh, they didn't do much in terms of cheating. I mean, game cheats still were a massive issue across everything, especially like on PC. But now it's on Xbox. Um, but it, I guess, the multiplayer was fine in Halo 1. So, did they actually really do anything extra? The the answer is no. They just added. Um, I guess slightly better vehicle combat and uh, just polished up Halo 1. I mean, it's not game changing really. Halo was already that already. I mean, in terms of map packs, I just want to say, remember back then this was like DLC wasn't common for a lot of games. So things like map packs was the only way they tended to like uh, release DLC for stuff. Obviously, <laughs> nowadays, DLC, map packs on a lot of games are free but then i think map packs was the main dlc i mean every game had map packs that doesn't, make it, right. doesn't make it right downloaded i agree it does split the player base because at the time i couldn't buy any of the map packs uh but um you know at least you're paying for something not like nowadays when you put bait you put in money for a loot box and hope to get that skin that you want at least you know yeah. what you're buying I guess. I mean, COD obviously followed that uh, line quite heavily yeah. for years. Um, I think now they do it for free, I think. But um, yeah, the the element of that, I think, is, is quite sad. That even, I mean, this is obviously many, many years ago, but even then, it wasn't a good idea in 2004. And it's not a good idea now. Yeah, that's fair enough. I'll give you that. Yeah, I think I think the score's good. <clears throat> um, what's everyone going to give out of 10? I'm going to... I'm going to give it 8 out of 10. I thought it was a brilliant game. I thought it was really good. Loved the gameplay. Uh, they saw what they did with Halo 1, made it better, added dual wielding, which was a little broken at times, but was still fun as hell. Um, so, yeah. I, I, yeah, I'm thinking solid 8. I'd play it today. Yeah. Uh, I'm perfect to go around the seven route. I really did enjoy the game. Um, it's still like a good, good thing stuck in my head. The multiplayer is really fun. I love the brutes, and all that sort of stuff. So yeah, seven from me. Blood tick. Zero out of ten. You can pay for the other score. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, with a total of fifteen divided by three, uh, we get a five across the board for Halo Two. The same as Halo. Same game. Same score. <laughs> You heard it here first, ladies and gentlemen. 
Um, okay, fair enough. Uh, moving onwards and upwards, let's talk and watch the Red Dead Redemption trailer. Let's have a look at that. Okay, uh, that was the trailer to Red Dead Redemption. Uh, who wants to kick us off with their thoughts on the trailer? Uh, I can go. Uh, I thought the trailer was, once again, brilliant trailer. This time it was nothing but gameplay. Everything was in engine footage. Um, with more of a cinematic feel to it. And then you had uh, the narration of John Marston talking over uh, the what you were seeing sort of introducing the story that you were being brought into basically yeah that's fair I, I thought the trailer was really really good um like you said it kind of brought you into the world gave you introduced to john marston who's actually really good uh but yeah they just did a really good job of kind of setting up the world and stuff like that i've just realized how outdated the entire like ui of this game is in comparison to like Red Dead Redemption 2 and Grand Theft Auto 5 like it just feels a lot older than right. I thought it would I mean the game was developed in 2005 so I mean like Jesus. obviously it was going for quite a while before it was released but I mean I mean to be honest with you if I saw that trailer I wouldn't actually be interested and funny enough I wasn't when Red, normal Red Dead Redemption came out um, I, I think the concept of westerns, I think, are, can be entertaining to some people. I feel like in this particular place, for this trailer, it didn't get me into it. And I think actually, if you compare like this trailer to the Red Dead Redemption 2 trailer, I think they're miles apart in terms of, I think, um, uh, RDR2 actually did a much better job at trying to sell the game in the trailer than this one. But do you think it's because they already knew what a great thing they'd created with Red Dead Redemption? Mm, no, not necessarily, because I think you could have had Red Dead Redemption 2 without anything from the original game. Um, mm. I, I think they just got better at trailers. Honestly, that's just the way it is. Uh, this, this is that's very... True. It's an age... Like, if you compare trailers from, like, GTA, Vice City, San Andreas, to... Which we uh, obviously did last week, to... Um, like Grand Theft Auto V and Red Dead Redemption 2, they're quite different. And, and unfortunately, this one fit the old ones. I, I feel like the old trailers don't really like copy over as well. Yeah. Mm, no, that's fair enough. Uh, in terms of the game itself, a story, I think, is one of the best storytelling games that's still... like a game like i like things like detroit become human things like that they are a storytelling game but they remove a lot of the gameplay and stuff like that but we're not talking about that sort of stuff i think get the stories you've got a great character john marston the voice acting from most of the people you meet with is fantastic um there's a morality system um which i always love in games it gives you that choice or illusion of choice um likable character in john as i said yeah i just think the, the the stories like it sets out what you're trying to do you know you're trying to get your family back you're an ex-outlaw going after your old gang it's very western drops you straight into it um i think st in the story aspects of the game are are really good yeah i really like the story uh great kind of redemption story um <laughs> uh pulling all the way back to like the final ending piece where obviously he 
dies, which is really kind of sad. Whoa, and see, spoilers, man. Oh, come on. It's like, <laughs> it, it's such an old game now. And I love the fact his son does pick up as much as I hated the son oh, as a character. Oh, God. He's the um, worst. Yeah, it was a really good way to kind of finish it off. But I thought it was just a really nice way to kind of do the send off. Um, John Marston dying probably was one of the few games that had me like, oh, crap, that that really happened kind of moment. Because that never really used to happen. But yeah, no, it's yeah. an amazing story. No, touching on that, they did do that quite well. Because I find it really hard when I play a video game, trying not to die. And then at the end, you die. I'm like, well, what was the point of everything I just did? I could have died two hours ago and I would have felt the same way. So they did that really well where, yeah, even though John Marston does die, they give him a good send off. Um, and it feels, it doesn't feel cheap. It feels earned. It feels, you know, it makes sense. Yeah, exactly. Do you think Red Dead missions, like I know previously you've spoken about um, GTA missions, how they're quite repetitive in terms of they follow mm. like a simple template. Do you think Red Dead Redemption has the same issue? Uh, I think some missions, yes, they did have a lot of those kind of repetitive go here, go murder a bunch of people. But the thing I'm going to call out that made it a little bit different is if you start riding your horse faster, your colleague starts riding his horse faster. So you kind of got to jump over those boring talking conversations and kind of speed up a bit because there's nothing more I hate than slowly driving around the car doing all these dialogue pieces that you don't really need to hear. So as much as the missions were repetitive in some ways, they didn't really do it too much and the... I don't know, the kind of width around the game and what they kind of gave you in terms of functionality and freedom kind of saved you from that a lot of the time. Yeah, I was going to say, I think you did have a lot of your generic go here, shoot the bad guys or whatever missions, but which were all similar. But I think just the nature of it being in this setting allowed for more variety of missions, like when you're like cattle rustling and things like that and, you know, doing all these variety of stuff that you could do in this sort of game, like, you know, chasing down trains or and then there's the whole part when the game goes to mexico and you're like leading a revolution and all this other stuff so even though a lot of the game is go here shoot people due to the setting and the different ways they can make uh they can set the get that those go here shoot the people up um makes it less feel less repetitive even if it is repetitive i mean video games by nature are technically quite repetitive uh, so they at least trick you into not thinking you're doing the same thing a hundred times. Yeah. Mm. Interesting. My only gripe. Your only gripe, Lost Hope? What was oh, my, my only gripe is the Mexico portion of it. Because I felt like you're coming towards the end of the game and then all of a sudden like it free just into, yeah, you've got to do some more stuff now. The game's too long, is what you're saying. Yeah. I thought they could have cut out the Mexico arc and then kind of just like finished off a little bit sooner. But you are in Mexico for a reason. You are hunting another gang member. It's not like, oh yeah, you're in Mexico now. You are hunting uh, Jose Escuela, I think his name is. Uh, yeah. So. I, yeah, yeah. No, I get what you mean. I, I get why they did it from like a story purpose, but I just felt like that area was just kind of unnecessary from the bigger picture of it all. But yeah, no, yeah, that's absolutely fair. I, get, I, I do get that. Uh, what was your. Because I feel like you uh, disagreed with us. Do you disagree, Blood Take, in terms of the repetitiveness? I think it's more boring in this game. Oh, really? Yeah, I think, to be honest, uh, the game's empty. The game world is a lot more empty than even GTA. So at least mm. when you're doing GTA missions, there's stuff like going on. You know, there's buildings, there's there's whatever. This is there's a cactus 
next to you. That's it. The same cactus over and over again. And I, I just feel like to have what G, like GTA does, it survives because of the game world. I think Red Dead Redemption has an issue because of the setting, of course, and the Wild West. I mean, obviously you're going to have this issue. Is this just going to be more boring? Yeah, that's fair. Yeah, and, and I think it's a much better looking game than previous like GTAs, which is why I actually highlighted the issue with the um, UI because the UI does not fit the game, like, like as in like the graphics, because the graphics improved yet kept the kind of same weird text, loads of like. Uh, the mini map is fine. Obviously, the mini map is a classic, but it just feels like the health bar around it. Uh, it just feels dated. And I think a way they maybe learned from that in Red Dead Redemption 2 is even though the map was still open and sparse, they made a lot more, not the missions, but the little random encounters, the ones that weren't the mission encounters, the mysterious strangers, that's what they're called. They were like the, oh, there's just some lady next to you or, you know, that's fall her horse has fallen on her or, you know, all those sort of really miniature things that gave you stuff to do while you were traveling. Well, this game didn't have any of that, if I remember rightly, other than the set mysterious stranger missions. So I think that's quite a fair point. It was it maybe too open, so you just riding from A to B, not stopping to do anything or what have you. Yeah, I yeah. think... It's, it's an interesting one and actually why uh some elements of like fallout new vegas and fallout 3 they actually have a very similar problem where because of the mm. way they've done the wasteland it's it's still quite dull and it's very samey in a lot of different areas and that can really drag away from the game world um and i think odd uh you know red Dead redemption 2 did a much better uh like solved actually the problem because there's a lot more better scenery it felt a bit more vibrant um more varied areas etc stuff like that so i think here and there red dead solved uh, it's red dead 2 solved the issue of the game world being quite empty in red dead redemption in terms of like your gameplay and stuff i think this game did bring a lot to the table like with the bullet time stuff to make you feel like you were in a western it had the the um draw mechanics you could go and you know pistols at dawn some dude um there was you know they had enough collectibles and outfit changes and all this that and the other side quests mysterious strangers you could collect bounties so there was quite a lot of stuff jam-packed into the game um now the, the horse riding at the time was really really good um you know uh, i think in terms of the gameplay i think it does really well as a game as well uh, and that's not even touching on the multiplayer which um if I'm honest, I think the multiplayer in this game is better than Red Dead Online. Um, the way there was a really good leveling up system, you unlock stuff as you leveled. Instead of having your own cow folk, you had um, you you had unlocked skins that were in the game of characters or generic characters from various gangs. They just felt like a reason to play it a lot more, as well as the strongholds and things like that. That there was just a lot more. You know, no pay-to-win mechanics. You unlocked guns as you played. Um, there was a lot more, I feel, um, that, I pref that I liked in the online, uh, just to touch on that uh, briefly. That's fair. I, I, I did enjoy the online quite a lot. Um, I remember playing it for a couple of hours, so that's quite good. But I think 
one area to kind of call out and unless anyone wants to talk about anything else in lo- online blood take no i don't think the island was very good but that's just me oh um <laughs> so i think the online is pretty good the thing i really want to call out about red dead redemption is the undead nightmare um dlc as known as, as much as everyone doesn't probably like dlc i thought that was like probably one of the best dlcs um rockstar's ever done to date to the point where i think they should have done it for red dead 2 like oh slash i hope they still do it for red dead 2 i mean i don't think they i mean they've done it before doing undead nightmare again for me would be a little it would cheapen the original if that makes any sense mm. um but i do like undead nightmare i do like the dlc and dlc that came out at this time of gaming was all actually downloadable content being the key word it was all content huge new maps huge new missions expansions to games like fallout or oblivion or red dead redemption where it gives you a whole new story etc they were actually it was content it wasn't oh i'm gonna pay for some skins or a couple of maps or what have you like there was huge amounts of content and reasons to pay and it wasn't I think what Undead Nightmare when it came out may have been around 15, 20 pounds. No, it yeah. wasn't hugely expensive or needless. It was, you know, Undead Nightmare was just stupid fun. That's what it was. It was, oh yeah, what's cool? Cowboys, okay. What's cool? Zombies. Or oh, just jam them together. Why the hell not? Had its own story, had its own online modes, had its own collectibles. It was just they didn't the thing is they didn't need to do it and that's why this sort of downloadable content is good because they didn't need to do it obviously they did it to make money let's face it a company but um they didn't need to put that much effort or time and you know make something really really good yeah exactly and they did really cool stuff like with the four horses the apocalypse train pass exactly. you could get like war death pestilence all that sort of stuff and the fact you could hunt the last uh sasquatch and all that sort of stuff as well was really oh, cool yeah the sasquatch just the fact is... it was just like a really tongue-in-cheek sort of stuff it like threw in a bunch of things that they just didn't need to the mm-hmm. combat was really really fun the online mode like you said was just hilarious because it was you and your friend um pistoling hundreds of zombies until literally you ran out of ammo and that was kind of the way it went each time but yeah it was really good but yes no i, 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 I think that's it. i think it's worth bringing up because you know downloadable content can sometimes be like that but this was around the time when downloadable content was normally always not as good as this but it was content it was actual stuff as opposed to oh yeah here's some packs you know or what have you that you see uh nowadays now all the seasons and stuff yeah exactly or here's a cool skin with a new weapon skin it's not going to change anything gameplay but please pay me 20 to 30 pounds please yeah, 20 to 30 pounds for the chance to get it. Unlike now when, you know, imagine buying Undead Nightmare and you have like 10% chance to actually get the expansion or the other 90% chances you get some skins that you didn't want. Like that, yeah. you know, that that's what we're talking about. And anyway, we've gone on a bit of a tangent about modern microtransactions in comparison to DLC. But um, anyway, what, what were your thoughts of Undead Nightmare? Uh, blood take. What Did a you play stupid it? DLC. Why on earth would you put that in a game like this? Like, what are they on? Like, completely and utterly bizarre. Waste of time, money grabbing, classic rock star right there. Nah, I, mean, I... I think that's why it was great because the game's so serious. Why not just make some fun? Right, Lost Hope? Yeah, they brought back John Marston for a bit of fun as well. You got to kill some zombies. 
they did some really cool stuff. They kind of made it a bit more tongue in cheek, which I think a lot of people appreciated. Like, I don't know, I felt the Undead Nightmare was just as good or even slightly better in some respects of playing Red Dead Redemption. Might be because I like zombie games, so a little bit biased there, but I thought it was really fun. The only nightmare is the money leaving your wallet. I mean, I went and bought the Game of Edition one just so I could have all the DLC in one chunk, so I can't, mm. I can't talk. And then there was us, the unicorn. Can we talk about the unicorn very quickly? No, there it is. Wrong? Look at it. I know. I thought Undead Nightmare was like a nice bit of tongue-in-cheek humor, which I really appreciated. You could unlock a zebra on the multiplayer to ride. And it was on. fast as heck, wasn't it? Or like yeah. there's a little tiny zebra. Get, yeah. You could get zebras. You could get like balls. Uh, like um, yeah, it was, it was donkeys. Cool. That's what you started with, and you just basically just yeah. run around with that, getting headshot for like ten minutes. But yeah, no, I, I really enjoyed the whole Red Dead experience, honestly. So, scoring out of 10 for Red Dead Redemption. I will start us off. Uh, I'm going to give it a lovely 8. Well, Red Dead Redmond is going to give Red Dead Redemption a solid 8.5 out of 10. Oof. Yeah, I'm going to give it a 1 because uh, the rest of the score uh, simulates the uh, emptiness of this game and the stupidity of the game development choices. Okay. So following that sort of tempo and all those sorts of numbers as well, uh, that gives Red Dead Redemption a score of 5.8, which rounds down to 5.5. Fair enough. 5.5. It's it's 0.5 better than... Uh, Halo 2. And Red Dead Redemption 2. What did what Red Dead Redemption 2 get? We gave it a 5. <sighs> oh, wow. I would I would say I think Red Dead Redemption 2 is better than this game, but, you know. Don't blame me. The scores, the scores can't, don't lie, do they? The scores don't lie. <laughs> I might need to replay a bit more. Um, anyway, moving on to our final game of the evening is Little Big Planet. Let's have a look at the trailer. Right, so that was the trailer to Little Big Planet. Thoughts on the trailer? I think it's one of the best trailers we've watched on this podcast, if I'm honest with you. I thought it was pretty good. I think gameplay is fantastic, shows the community spirit of the game, uh, shows um, the gameplay, shows exactly what it is. I think it's very, very good trailer, very strong, personally. Yeah, imagine not liking platformers, but liking this game. That's very interesting. Uh, I never said I like the game. I said it's a good trailer. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like you have to like part of the game to like a trailer. I feel like you've got to like what the gameplay is showing. And this isn't, you know, Rockstar. It's not just showing some random, you know, pre-generated uh, cinematics. It's showing gameplay. Look, I'm just mm. saying it was a strong trailer. I will leave my actual review of the game for the next the next segment after we've discussed the trailer. <laughs> um, I think the trailer is good. I, I mean, I, we're going to have a disagreement, I can see, coming up in uh, in this thing because I, I think the Little Big Planet 2 announcement trailer is actually the best Little Big Planet trailer out of all of them. So... That's my feeling. Although this obviously shows the the game as you as you get it, so yeah, uh, I I think it obviously shows the game well, and that's what a trailer should do. So yeah, high points for the trailer. 
That's fair enough. Um, so I think the trailer, exactly like you guys said, showed you enough gameplay, gave you like that sort of vibe and feel of what you're kind of getting into. It's a bit of fun. You can walk around with friends. Um, yeah, it kind of gave you an entire idea of what the game is about and how to kind of enjoy it. So yeah, I really enjoyed the trailer. And the music was very, very good as well. So talking about the game itself, who wants to kick us off? Right, I'll start. Platformer. Okay, what better platformer than one that you build yourself? Okay, in general, like obviously that is the unique selling point of Little Big Planet was the community and kind of the template that the game gave you in order to create what you wanted. Now, obviously, the way the game worked is that you unlocked uh, the different creative tools by playing the story mode uh, and some other levels, and that was really good. Um, I think the way the game tutorial works was really clever. Uh, I think the mix of like moving around and the videos and getting to try stuff live as you watch the videos works really well. Um, now, obviously, for a game that has no voice in terms of... Uh, obviously, you've only got Stephen Fry as like a narrator. Um, I think it, it works really well. Um, and although... There is no kind of overarching story, really, with Little Blue Planet. Um, you kind of feel connected to Sackboy uh, on his kind of journey through all the different kind of worlds he goes through. So um, the game itself has a lot of positives, has some really good game mechanics, um, and the creativity of it just brings out the best in the game. Yeah, I mean, I mean oh, go for it. No, no, I just said, wow, like... I haven't heard a negative thing yet, so I'm, I'm looking forward to this uh, this review, definitely. So I think for me, I really enjoyed the game. The platforming aspect is really fun. It's the sort of thing that you played as a group of friends, or I played it with a group of friends, and it was a really fun game. Um, yeah, the story was pretty simple, and again, I really like the fact you got to unlock stuff for your creativity and all that sort of stuff as you played through the game. That was really good. My one gripe and slight annoyance is like you almost had to go back and replay every level to try and perfect it, grab everything, and get four people on the console at the same time to get the full maximum amount of stuff you could get. Uh, and for me, like I really enjoyed the costumes and stuff like that, being able to dress up your sack boy as you want to get that sense of individuality was really strong. But yeah, um, just such an amazing game, such a smart game. The fact that like the community was half the gameplay as well. Like once you finish the game, you're like, oh, that's not it. You went to go online. You could then play, I think, like I was saying before, like survive that, survive the bombing, which is a good one where you drop bombs and you see how long you survive points or try and survive the tidal wave in which you and a friend would try and survive as the water level raised up instead of dying. So yeah, just great game all around. Really, really smart. And yeah, they definitely like, that was like a diamond game they did. Yeah, arguably, um, Battle Royales started with Little Big Planet. So, uh, there we go. That's where it was kicked off. <laughs> so, no, I'm not going to be that uh, that um, deep. I'm not going to do it. Uh, so, um, I kind of owned this game, but the main time I played this game was when I used to go around my friend's house, and this was the one thing that we played for ages. Uh, just because of the multiplayer madness and the fun that you could have you know the, and as as uh, it's already been said but the community part of this game was fantastic they really lent into that and it paid off like some games are like oh we'll make a big deal over the community and it just doesn't take off but they they just knew they were onto something with the the map tools that they made and 
everyone really got involved. I mean, I think whenever I played this game, I didn't play any of the in-game maps. I've just downloaded people's maps, what was popular at the time, and played those because they were they were fun. They were more fun than the rest of the game, definitely. Like, um, in terms of like the backtracking and stuff like that that Tristan mentioned, I think that is a, that's where platformers some quite fall down. A lot of it is you have to backtrack and play and get the highest score or whatever you like that because there's no other way to tell you've completed it other than those sort of hitting those markers um uh the best part of the game for me is the fact that Stephen fry does the tutorial and narration i think that's uh gives it a 10 out of 10 uh but uh in all seriousness i think it's a great game it's a fun little game to play um you know the sack boy works in 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 the way in which it's like a charming character without being because i really hate characters that are specifically made for marketability and you're like oh that's their cute little star wars character that they're gonna make 100 toys of but you know sack boy he was your own character he was someone that i never felt that way about even though he was extremely marketable and you do, even though everyone's got one, you felt connected to your one. He was your one because he was one that you made and customized to look how you wanted to, as uh, Ollie pointed out. So yes, yeah. even though I am a not huge fan of platformers, I did enjoy this game, and I do think it is quite a good game. So in terms of negatives, um, in terms of negatives, right? So control system, something seriously broken with the controls in this system. Uh, they fixed it kind of later on in the other games, but the transition between the different um levels so in terms on the z-axis moving back and forth between the three axes there uh that's a big issue um because often you were like blocked by something or it couldn't just change in the right way obviously if you were trying to like drop between like slight there was like a slight height between like the level you were on in terms on the z-axis and then downwards it like wouldn't always work properly and that was always an issue um the physics engine felt slightly slower than I think you want to. Like the jumping felt like it was it was not ideal and didn't like flow as well as I l- would have liked it. Again, fixed in later games, really. But um, yeah, I mean, in something that is like obviously it is a physics game. That's how the platformer works. That's why so many things are possible in this game. It the character physics could have been better. Um, and they just weren't polished enough on launch, in my opinion. And I'm I'm surprised they didn't notice that it felt slow when they originally made it. I get what you mean. It did for kind of if you jumped, it was like being in space or underwater. It was a bit floaty. Mm. It was a bit. Uh, I get I I get that. Yeah, and I think I think. Yeah, I think it kind of played into the cartooniness of it, but it felt slightly sl- like sluggish in comparison to the kind of all. Oh, is a bit lower gravity than what we used to. Mm. So that's that's the negatives. But obviously, like I said, you know, when we get to Little Big Planet Two, the best Little Big Planet game, then obviously, you know, we can we can talk about how how it's basically the best game in the world. <laughs> I never played the second one. Uh, just, gonna, give, just gonna say it right now. I I I think I finished the second one, but I really disliked it. And I just didn't find it had the same like happy good feeling that the first one gave me. Um, but yeah, drugs. Is the drugs never the good. The second time, drugs <laughs> never. <laughs> and let's not even get to the story about Little Big Planet Three because that was just a car crash. Ah, and a half. Yes, let's not talk about that one. Um, 
but can I just quote one thing? The menu thing I thought was really cool with the fact you got to use the um, the Dual Shock. I think it's the name of the controller. And then basically, as you moved it around your character, as you moved it around to navigate the menu, your character did the exact same thing as well. That was really smart. I really liked that. It was a nice touch. What a great novelty feature that they added in for you. I mean, I thought it still was pretty good. Tristan, um, you were definitely the target audience for that little feature, weren't you? <laughs> look, I, I honestly enjoyed the game so much. I think Ollie can probably confirm this. Um, I think I had a little sack boy in my room at school. Yeah. Yeah. That's how much oh, I wow. enjoyed the game. That's how like, cool it was. Such... Very cool indeed. Um, okay. Score for this one. Uh, I'm probably going to give the game a 7 out of 10. Um, it was a good platformer. Yeah, it was good at, you know, it's my old faithful. You know, it's good at what it does. It does what it does well. Um, it's just not the biggest fan of platformers. I wouldn't go back and play it today unless I may play it drunk with some friends as a joke. But I wouldn't, it's not something I'd go out and buy just so I can play it. Like, I, I, I might play it for an hour with some mates or something. So, other than that. Fair enough. Um, I'm probably going to give it a nine honestly i really really liked this game it was just so fun it had so many memories like i played it even when the second one came out like i still really enjoyed it i yeah best game i've ever played for a while in terms of platforming uh blood tick so this game did a lot for platforming and uh for entertainment and for showing how community media molecule did a really good job with this game um Obviously, as we say, it's not perfect. No game is perfect. There are no good games. Um, but I think we're going to have to here give it a five. Oh, wow. Ooh, it's no a little nightmares five out two, of ten. but it's five out of ten. Okay. I think that means it's one, hasn't it? it it's, it's one hands down with a solid seven. Oh, wow. Yeah. It's not as good as... Oh, no. I, I read that wrong. I no, think no, it's the it's, best game. It's the best, the best game. game so it's far. the best game. Have we had a 6.5? Uh, I'm just scanning across now. Half-Life 2 was a 6. Skyrim is a 6. Oh, we had GTA San 6.5 is G yeah, yeah. San Andreas. Yeah. Maybe we're getting like too soft now because I realize that some games are like 4s and then it goes back to a 5 and then it no, goes back down I, to 4s again. I think games that actually do something different and were actually like generational you can give them a strong score. Games which copy the same template over and over again and do nothing new deserve the score they got. So like a little bit Planet 2 then? Well, no. Because, because, no, we'll talk about <laughs> in terms of series, you know, it's more like the difference between like Halo and like if you were comparing to COD, they're both shooters, mm. very different games in terms of story. But do they actually do anything remotely complete and utterly different apart from vehicles in halo then you know that's where you got a question no that's fair enough i, I get recovering from that so i guess that is it from the game rating segment of the podcast uh blood take what is coming up this week in terms of games yeah so as always this is uh my favorite segment because we always look at games that uh we can slate in the future so that's always a fun part so obviously we're looking at games uh, the week of release of this podcast. So that is between the 15th and 21st of March. So looking at this, uh, okay. So 
as always, we start with a game that's not new. Uh, so we've got Kingdom of Amalar Re-Reckoning, which comes out on Woo. Switch on March 16th. Did we talk about that on the last podcast as well? I was going to say. We, we mentioned it was coming up because it was the only thing that we were like... <laughs> I was like, it's because we talked about loads of re-releases. And I was like, well, even next week, we're going to start about the same game. Um, it's not even working. So never mind. Anyway, um, still going on from that, uh, we have... Uh, oh dear, there's not really... <laughs> right, we've got a game called Maglam Lord, which comes out on PlayStation 4 and Switch on March 18th. Maglam Lord. Consoles, PlayStation 4 and uh, Switch. Great, as always, second game. It's a weeb game, so that's good. Always uh, always good at picking those. Um, What's the game called? Apologies. Maglam Lord. I it doesn't actually have much info on it. I just know it's going for place. It's one player. Um, How do you spell that for those at home? M A G L A M. Maglam. Maglam Lord. Is it a JRPG? Um, yes, it does look like that is so. Except. I do not know what this is. I don't know how to explain this game. I mean, uh, we've got gameplay up on the screen right now, and none of us can tell what kind of a game it is. Yeah, so if it you looks wanna... like it's like a weird kind of uh, which got Final Fantasy roam around killing monsters, but then also goes into a weird two D fighting style, which is super weird. Yeah, the it, like... fighting turns into Super Smash Brothers by the looks of it, in terms of the camera angle and the health bars, etc. Mm. And um, then they've got two D sprites where they're talking and stuff like that. I don't know, man. It's, it's not yeah, really... yeah, it's it's. It's a strange one. Right, so no one's playing that, so never mind. No. Uh, bin that one. Anyway, next game, Zero another game that no one's going to play. Marvel's Avengers is finally coming to PlayStation 5, Xbox Series oh, yes. X and S on March 18th. So once again, uh, no one can play a game that no one cares about. Oh, what do you mean? I've been waiting for this game for ages. I can't wait to play some generic superheroes and grind forever for skins for them. Oh, is that what it says? Basically. Yeah, it's not done too well. I'm not going to lie. Um, right. Another... What is it with re-releases? People don't make new games anymore. So we got Plants vs. Zombies Battle for Neighborhoodville. Or Neighborville. Uh, oh, wow. Coming to Switch on March 19th. Obviously a re-release of the game that originally came out on October 18th, 2019. On PlayStation 4, Xbox One, and PC. Uh, but obviously getting games on Switch... Um, Seems to be quite a big deal. Um, apparently. Yeah, apparent. Apparently, right? Can we? We need a. We need an actual like new game that's not Maglam Lord, right? Okay, I think we've got one. Okay. Um, and that's a, a, something called Root Film, which comes out on March nineteenth on PlayStation Four and Switch. Um. I, it's an adventure game and root film is a thrilling adventure game with the visual novel elements okay basically oh. guys not gonna lie there's no games coming out this week so uh just go back to bed see you next week <laughs> yeah it does look pretty weak honestly i'm not a fan of visual novels just read a book I think we've done mm. ourselves. I think we actually have worse games this week than we had last week. 
Yeah, I think I'm you're impressed. absolutely right. Season two has not gone well in terms of game releases at this point. Um, yeah, great. I well, think March is one of those months when nothing comes out. You might be right. I mean, I'm looking at the list and... Uh, I mean... <laughs> The week after the next podcast, when when you're listening to this, next week, okay, we have It Takes Two, a game that uh, is new. That's good. One new game that we've mentioned before. Other than that, we've got Monster Hunter Rise, a re-release. We've got Tony Hawk's Pro Skater 1 and 2, a re-release. Uh, and we've got um, Kingdom Hearts, pretty much all of them that come out on PC, re-release. So, yeah. I mean, this is what we're playing with this, uh, should, this month. Nothing. Should we just. Sorry, go. Well, nothing. I mean, there's nothing here. I mean, I'm not saying we get rid of this section because it's always an enjoyable section to do. I mean, um, let me. W- w- you go and I'll, I'll come back to me. Uh, should we just re release, uh, like, season one, episode one of the podcast in March just, just to. <laughs> get into re-release month yeah we might you know, we'll just we might as just well ma- just rehash it remake the first one we review the same games again we'll read everything out on a script like we said before and then just uh then yeah and then just re- i mean that's what everyone's doing nowadays right it works for game companies why mm. not podcasts yeah right. exactly i found two two games that we can talk about coming to steam um okay so <laughs> first one is a game called ecosystem which comes out on, uh, on March 16th uh, on Steam, so PC. Uh, it's coming to early access. Um, so let me read the description here. You grow and modify an ecosystem which simulated evolution by natural selection, creating the life forms that inhabit it. All the creatures in the trailer evolved on their own in-game. None were hand-edited. So I guess you've got to watch the trailer um, is a sport? It is no, not sport. You're looking at a game from 2016, dude. You're looking at, in a completely uh, wrong place. It's called Ecosystem, right? Yeah, Ecosystem. Look on Steam. Just go to Steam. Oh, well, you can't see that. Go. Uh, ocean building evolution game. It could be that one. There we go. That looks. That looks more like it. Yeah. Not from a video from 2016. Yeah, this looks more like what I'm looking at here, although not... Evolution simulation games. So that's quite interesting. I like the sound of it. Like, it's different. Like, who else has done this other than Spore? If you were 100% of people who took a careers test at school and got marine biologist like I, then you oh. two can uh, live your dreams uh, with Ecosystem. These fish are nightmare juice, no, I'm not going to lie. Mm. Are we sponsored by Evolution? Because that was some damn good uh, uh, catch line there. Maybe we should. Maybe we should mess behind <laughs> me. Anyway, one last game, since we do like actual games that are coming out. This one, a bit of a left field, also on the 16th of March. Um, a game called Mundum. Uh, that's M-U-N-D-A-U-N, um, which has come to Steam, as I said, March 16th. Uh, I think I'm saying it. Mundan, maybe? Is the loving hand-penciled horror tale set in a dark, secluded valley of the Alps. Explore various areas full of secrets to discover, survive hostile encounters, drive vehicles, fill your inventory, and solve a variety of handcrafted puzzles. Joe, you love puzzle games. Oh, I'm definitely gonna buy this game. Right, hundred percent. 
remember to, to go to Joe's stream about it. on the 16th of March, six days time. Oh, actually, no, it won't be six days time. I've ruined uh, the dates here because we it's not in six days. In fact, when you're listening to this podcast, go back tomorrow and watch Joe's stream when he streams <laughs> this game. Oh, yeah, definitely. Tune in for my stream when I'm playing this game, 100%. It doesn't look horrible. A lovingly hand-penciled horror tale. And it's not early I access. Mean, yeah. I mean, right. yeah. Great, I'm glad we all agree that uh, the games this, this week are all going to be really good. So, um, so there we go. Sounds quite mundane to me. Yeah, maybe. Maybe. Um, okay, thanks for letting me do this segment. Great worth <laughs> all, all the way through. Yeah, no, that's fair enough. Um, Joe, do we have any news regarding what's happened recently or anything like that from the channel side of things? Uh, it's not huge news at the moment. We've recently just finished our series of Bug Snacks. If you have not watched it, please check it out. We have Lost Hope and Crazy Mage playing through uh the game bug snacks i still i've watched every episode and still don't understand anything about that game it is just bizarre i can't tell if it's pokemon or if it's a dating simulator or if it's a rpg like it's just so so many different stuff going on um so there is a new series coming out i don't know what it is just yet but there will be some new series dropping yeah so um, they we're doing like a pokemon nuzlocke for sword and shield paying if we survive yes you're currently recording that on twitch as well yeah. uh on your twitch channel uh i don't is that the same one that's going up on the youtube channel or are you record going to be cutting down a different one uh i think we'll be cutting it down from the twitch stuff just to make it a little bit easier and digestible but when you say yeah. you survive yeah. are you only going to upload it if you win the game no i mean we're currently progressing through it at the moment and i think my concern is i don't want to be like a three episode saga uh <laughs> well, why not season one and then start season two yeah, well, I think season two is me being thrown into the deep end of doing uh, red and blue on Nuzlocke. So, yeah, we can always give that a go as well. Here we go. So, and so you can find all of our YouTube content on Digital Dungeoneers uh, on the YouTube channel. And we also have an Instagram where we tend to post about three, four times a week with any news or new videos we put on there as well. Uh, and that's just Digital Dungeoneers as well. Um, and then obviously you can find us on our website dungeoners.tv uh, where you can see if anyone is uh, streaming or uh, if we've got all of our reviews on here as well as links to the YouTube and the tw um, YouTube and the podcast as well. Yep, exactly. Exactly. I guess in that case, guys, thank you very much for watching. Uh, remember to stay digital and keep dungeoning. And we will see you in the next episode of the podcast. Bye from me. Thanks for watching this week. We'll see you next time. Bye-bye.